Welcome to the Conscious Relationship and Couplet and Parenting Summit. It's me, Lucia Gabriela, your host and producer. And today we have an incredible and amazing woman and mother. Erin Delaney is a professional coach, teacher, writer, and speaker. Has worked with hundreds of women and girls over the last 25 years, getting them in the areas of self-expression, empowerment, and sexual integrity. Thank you, Erin, for joining us today and saying yes to the summit. Thank you so much for having me, Lucia. Yes. And before we dive deep into our topic today, we would like to learn from you. How do you start in the journey of conscious relationship and parenting? Mm, that's a great question. Um, conscious parenting, since I'll be mostly talking about parenting today. Um, I started the conscious parenting awareness, I would even say, growing up, being very, very keenly aware of what was working and what wasn't working, watching and observing all the time relationships and how parents were doing it differently. And so on some level, I would say, I've never been asked this question before, I would say that I, I've always been in tune to it and aware of it. And then in my 20s, I was teaching dance. I'm a, I was a dance, five rhythms dance teacher for many years. And there was a group of women who came to my class who were starting a, a Waldorf school in the area where I was teaching the dance. And I learned a lot about Waldorf and would go to their events. I didn't have a child yet, excuse me. I would go to their events and go to um, different festivals and connect with the teachers. So I started learning a different way of, of teaching and leading children. And then in my 30s, I had my own child. And um, I told my husband about Waldorf, although it wasn't just Waldorf. It was Waldorf and, and also different speakers on conscious parenting and different ways of doing it. A man named Joseph Chilton Pierce was very, very key in my studies as well. So I introduced this to my husband. Um, there's a fun story actually of, of uh, my husband's from, he's from Mexico. We were living in Mexico when my daughter was born and she, he, um, his, he's from a family of educators. So when I was talking to his mother and his aunts about wanting to have our child go to the Waldorf school, they were very concerned about it because it wasn't mainstream. So I invited his mom to go with us to a, um, a uh, open house for a Waldorf school there in Mexico. And she was really skeptical and looking around and just asking questions about a lot, a lot of things and a lot of ways they did things. And then there was this Q&A moment of the, the eighth grader who had graduated and had gone on to different high schools because there wasn't a Waldorf high school at that particular town in Cuernavaca in, in Mexico. So there was a, a, you know, a speaker's panel so the parents could ask them questions. And my mother-in-law asked the question with her arms crossed, again, still very skeptical. And she said, how in the world did you make it into a high school, a public high school after Waldorf? Because Waldorf, I hear, doesn't teach, you know, certain things. So how did you make that transition? Surely you were way behind. And this one girl spoke and she said, you know, it's true that in some ways I had to catch up with certain things. Like for instance, learning the computer, they don't learn computers at, at least at that time. They didn't learn computers in, you know, past or uh, before high school in the Waldorf. She said, you know, I, I did have to learn how to catch up with computer skills and, and a couple other things. And she said, but the truth is it was easy. You know, it wasn't like that big of a deal. I was just a few months behind. I just took extra time and effort. And she said, so the things I didn't learn 
they weren't that difficult to catch up. However, the things I learned that the other, the other students didn't, I have a concern that they may never learn them. And she said things like respecting a teacher. She said we were just taught when we were raised to, to say hello and, and, and to, you know, to shake the hand of the teacher at the end of the day and thank them for the day of teaching. And she said the students didn't do that where I was. The bell would ring and they would run out of the room and no one would pay attention to the teacher. Or things like respecting the earth. You know, we were taught that every stone is important, every flower is important. Or how to take care of a room. She said they, the kids would throw, excuse me again, the kids would throw, you know, trash in the trash can and didn't care if it, they didn't, whether it made it or not, they didn't care. And she said we were always taught to respect the environment. And my mother-in-law was crying and tears were coming down her eyes and um, down her face. And she understood why it was important to raise our daughter in that way. And I'm not saying the Waldorf school is the only way, by the way, but, but since you asked the question, I know there's incredible, incredible teachers everywhere in public schools and private schools and all over. So it's not so much about Waldorf, but it is the, answering the question about choosing a conscious choice of, of that's one of the ways that we chose to raise our daughter. And she didn't complete it. You know, she only went through eighth grade and chose not to go into to uh, Wilder for high school, and we honored her request. So, the whole conscious parenting thing—it's—it's um, it's an ongoing thing. I, I'm certain we didn't do everything consciously. I'm very certain of that. But the key of it, and, and we'll get into this as we talk about the sexuality piece, is uh, for me uh, what makes it, what makes me, or us as parents, more conscious is owning our mistakes. Owning the I don't know. Owning the let me try this and see if this is right. It's a paying attention constantly to what's working, to what's not working. It's the listening to the child and in incorporating the child's opinions and thoughts and wisdom into the whole family. Um, it's, it's my life. I mean, like, Children have always been a huge piece of my life, whether I'm teaching or parenting or watching friends' children or whatever it is. It's it's crucial. It's it's conscious parenting is crucial, and it takes different flavors for different people. So I don't think that there's a one way. By the way, I love the passion and the detail in it because um, yeah, the deliciousness of raising conscious kid is the awareness. You know, it's like finding ourselves you know, the parent awareness and owning it, like you say, um, who we are and, and sharing the best that we that we have available for them. And I totally love Waldorf education. And I'm so excited to learn uh, our topic today is how to talk with your daughter about sex and build trust that can last a, la last a lifetime. So I'm excited to hear um, this from you, especially knowing that you have teenager and in my personal life, my daughter is just nine now, and it's going to be exciting to see her. So whatever I can learn from you, that can help me to help, you know, help her and bring her into the journey of, of, of growing, becoming a teenager and puberty. So, so moms are so freaking scared of it. And, and some of us, we're like so excited to see what actually is happening. <laughs> Both, right? Excited and scared. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, so we're so excited to learn from you today, Erin, and let's just do it. Let's here we go. Great. So the topic, how to talk to your daughter about sex and build trust that can last a lifetime. That topic is very, very near and dear to me. It is, um, with my daughter being an older teen now, it's definitely the area of the greatest growth in my life and in an enormous, enormous way. And today, what we're going to go over, there's me and my daughter. That was a few years ago. Um, right when we were in the thick of all of this deep learning together, my daughter is one of the greatest catalysts for this area for me. And I'll just tell a brief story, which has to do with when we first started tapping into this topic, um, I had not done a whole lot of work around it in my own life, in my own self. And I hadn't really studied much of how to do that, how to approach sexuality and how to talk to kids about it. A little bit I did, but not too much. And at an early age, she was such a catalyst for me to, um, to help me dive into it full force. And I'll get a little bit more into that story in just a minute. But the main thing to just know is I, before I move on is just saying this, this being, and I've heard other mothers speak of the same thing, that our daughters are such, a, um, such an important tool for us to, to move into this topic. So, so many mothers, as many of you know out there, are concerned about the way social media influences how their kids, how our kids view sex. And most mothers are really afraid of their daughters feeling pressured or getting STDs or getting pregnant or, you know, worse, getting raped. And it's no small matter. It's a big deal. And what most mothers want is for their daughters to be safe and healthy, of course, sexually and in all ways. And they also want to have a relationship with their daughter that's built on mutual trust and respect. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? I mean, it's just... It's at the core of who we are as mothers. It's, it's so painful when our daughters move away from us. And right at the time when on some level they need us in a lot of ways. And we'll discuss that. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. And most mothers don't know how to do this, how to keep that respect, that trust, that connection. And they don't know how or when to start addressing the topic of sexuality. And once they do, they don't know what to say or how they can get their daughters to listen to them and to open up to them. So what we're going to cover today is three powerful steps to create a trusting and empowered relationship with your daughter, especially around the topic of their body and sexuality. So, so important. Um, when my daughter was, was uh, moving into the preteen pre years, when she was a tween, um, I went to a couple lectures on sexuality, and I was surprised at how the the presenters were focusing on all the negative things about sex these days which of course there's a lot of negative things and we're going to talk about that but i was i was ready to take notes on how to literally how to empower her how to talk about it and how to make it you know how to talk about the joyful things about it and you know share all the great things and none of it none of the lectures i went to talked about that at all they were very fear based and concerned and making it look very dark and dim and, and scary. And although that is important 
to address those pieces. It's very important. I have learned that what we don't teach the girls, either from just not talking about it at all, or like I said, or of overly focusing on the, the, um, the negative pieces, we often avoid or don't or skip over the part of telling them about the wonderful things about sex. The, the great mystery and the wonders of stepping and moving into this amazing part of their life and their body and their being and their creation. And from talking to so many mothers, I hear them speak of, well, if I start talking about the great things about sex and they're going to go out and have it, like it's going to, they're afraid that if they encourage the good things, that it's going to encourage them to go out and do that. And what I want to say is from also research, from what I've understood is that's not the case at all. It's not the case. They're going to learn, especially now about sex, regardless of what we do and we don't say. And more than likely, they're going to learn about sex through porn. So, and other, and of course their peer. So let's just dive into the steps. After really contemplating a lot and, and playing with different possibilities, the most important thing that I think is crucial for mothers to understand is I need to be a safe place for their daughter, a safe place for their daughter to come to. And you know what's going to help her to trust you and turn to you as the safest place is if you stand for her as a female. It's pretty huge if you stand for her as a female. And let me tell you, I learned this the hard way. And let me just tell you the story briefly that when I started to talk with my daughter around sex and it had to do with things that were going on in her life with, with the guy she was in a relationship with some emails I was looking at that, that exchanges that were happening. So I sat her down and started talking to her and I had already talked about sex before, by the way, but this was something that was more, more serious and more present. So I started talking to her about it and um, I get really angry at her about something. And as I was blasting out some things in my anger, stayed at her and upset about choices that she had made. I looked over and I saw her on the couch crying and I knew I wasn't doing it the right way. I was like, all I knew is that what was happening between us was not helpful and not healthy. So I stopped what I was doing and I just said a prayer to the goddess, to the gods, to whatever was true for me at that moment and just prayed, please guide me, please guide me of how, to speak and be with this, this child who I love. And something came over me and shifted the way that I was talking. And instead I sat down next to her and embraced her and let her cry. And I just opened up, tell me what's, tell me who you are. Tell me what's going on with you. Let me listen to you instead of let me lecture to you. Let me listen. Let me see who are you and what is it that you're dealing with? And of course she cried harder because she'd never even heard me say that. And she started opening up in all kinds of ways. It was really beautiful and very profound. And I was just in this really open state. So no matter what she said, I was fine with it. I was just so solid and present. And one of the things that she said was how I had been treating her or shaming her basically about how she was in her body, about who she was, about how she was putting on her makeup, about how she was with boys, about how whatever. She told me I had been shaming her, and I didn't even know it. And I was, again, I, like I said, I was in this open state, so I just said, tell me more. She said something that was really, really important. She said, Mom, 
you don't stand behind me. When other mothers comment about me being too bossy or me being too sensual or me being too whatever, you come to me and lecture me. You don't stand behind me. And that hit me so strong, so, so strong. And in my mind, I was aware of the person that she needs to go to the most and have support her and behind her the most is me, her mother. And I think I've seen this unconsciously that we do this again and again as mothers. We think that we need, well, we unconsciously repeat the same patterns of shaming because that's what we're what we learn it's shameful for a daughter to be sexual a girl to be sexual or sensual so hold them back by shaming them it's dangerous it's all these other things what will what will you look like as a parent if your daughter is this this you know is happy and comfortable in her body so all of that came flooding to my mind and i think you know again and again the people i work with this is what we come up against and if we just become, you know, we, we end up becoming as mothers one more person who shames her. And the one person who can relate to her the most, who knows her the most, who has her back, who could have her back, who has her same, you know, body form, her same blood. It's just a different blood, of course, but I mean the same bloodline. If that person, the mother, is shaming her, then she's lost. And of course, like I was saying, she's going to go get her information from other sources. So the place of being a safe place for her is important. It doesn't mean we're going to love the things that she says. It doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything that she does. But I've learned how crucial it is that you as mother, that me as mother, I'm the backbone for her. I, I, I'm there for her. She's going to naturally, as girls will, as, as teenagers will, she's going to naturally move away. They must. They have to break away and find their freedom. So we're all going to, you know, it's like we can't get away from that. And I think it's actually healthy and important even as it stings. And, you know, I never believed it would happen. And, of course, it does happen. And sometimes they say hurtful things and all of that. It's just, it's a part of the learning. It's a part of their, their finding of themselves. And yet it's our job as mothers to be secure and to stay grounded and, and to get support from other mothers. That's what I found is really important, too, because it is painful. But if they know that they can come to me when they need me, when they need us, when they've made mistakes, when they have important questions, and we're not going to flip out or judge them, so, so important. So from that place, and actually even more further, if they know that, that we're going to celebrate their natural blossoming as female, both, and they're naturally going to be both excited and nervous, they're going to be empowered sometimes and disempowered other times they're going to feel confident and confused about the world they're entering about guys or girls or however all that all that formulates for them but they're ultimately the same as us they just want to be loved and accepted and to experience this amazing world and this amazing new place and to find their place within it so from that place being a safe place a safe resource for her now, the word resource has a different place than um, just being a, a safe home for her to return to. I looked up the word, meaning for the word resource. It says, to provide with assets necessary for effective operation, which is very funny. But basically, it means, to me, in terms of this, it, I'm going to go right to the second place, which is, the second thing is, we need to know the world she's navigating which is different than the world we were navigating at their age, very different. 
I mean, in some ways, they're dealing with the same things in terms of hormones and attractions and embarrassment and fears and letdowns and confusion, excitement, curiosity, getting aroused, getting confused, all of that. In that way, we're the same. But, and as most of us know, the world, the teens, because of social media and because of the wider media are, are navigating today is very different than we had it. Very different much more toxic, much more loaded, much more sexualized, sexualization all around them. Um, texts and Instagram and Snapchat and I make mean, a go on and on about this. In fact, we, we go over it in detail in the course and in one-on-one coaching, one coaching that I do because it's really important to go through all of them. And on one hand, I see a lot of mothers, myself included, that I, did, I just wanted to avoid it. I didn't want to learn I didn't want to get caught up in or learn all that they were learning. I knew enough about porn. I didn't want to have to read about it. It was painful when I would read about it. But I also knew that if I avoided it, I couldn't be that resource for her. You know, and I'm not saying a resource that I know all the answers because we don't, and partly because all of this is changing so much. But um, meaning like, yeah, many things are things just keep getting added and changing and you know, it's hard to keep up with all of it. But if we keep up with, if we know and keep up just with at least the basic things that they have to deal with, it's really important. So when she comes to me, I'm not clueless of what she means by Snapchat or even the, even the terms, which I've gone over, I've interviewed a lot of teenagers and I have a whole list of terms. Again, they're now, as in September 2017, by January 2018, I'm sure there'll be more that are added or changed or whatever. Things are outdated. So I try to keep up on all of it to help the parents. But um, the more we know of what she's navigating, the more compassionate we can be, the more she can ask us questions. It's fine if we don't know the answers. But if we're in the know and not clueless of what she's going through and the added complications that she's going through, it's going to make a big difference in her trust for us. It's going to make a big difference in um, her feeling safe to sink into something with her parents, with her, with her mother. So I'm not going to go into it right now so much, but there's a whole, a whole slew of things to learn. I think the most important thing to learn or just remember is with the whole social media and of course um, the most important thing is, is as you're learning these things and again it helps a lot to learn them what I work with I work one-on-one -on -one, but I also work in, with groups of mothers at a time and I actually really love that the most because we get to share our concerns and our fears and our joys and victories together so I get to hear all the different stories of, that each parent's going through because, you know, not, not every child's the same. Not every child will face all of this. But, um, and, I, and I learn new things from each parent, like funny things from their school that's different than other schools or whatever. But, oh, shoot, I lost my track. Oh, I was saying that um, the more that we learn together, the more that they feel safe. There was something else I was saying. I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Anyway, yeah, this is the world of parenting, right? Um, we forget and then we learn and then our daughter help and helps awaken us and knowing the world she's knowing the world she's navigating um, oh I was saying about um, if we know it then let's say she comes to us or we find 
picture on her text of a guy's penis or we find out she sends a sexy picture to someone else that may or may not happen to your daughter it's different for every child but if we know that that's something that happens then we're less alarmed and the reason it helps for us to be less alarmed it doesn't mean we're not equally concerned it doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything about it absolutely but I'm saying if she can see us from a place of being in the know, knowing what's happening in their world, hoping, of course, our daughters don't get involved in certain things, but occasionally they might. Could just be one time of experimenting with it. I, you know, I don't know. It's going to be different for every child. But if we know that, let's say we find that out, that we can come to them from a steady place instead of a freak out place. Does that make sense? And can you imagine the difference of a child to be able to open up and sink into us when we're a, a source of, yes, I know this happens. Yes, I'm here for you. Yes, it's not, it's not safe and it's scary. And I'm going to be here to listen to you and to tell you my thoughts on this, but not from a place of judgment. You, can, you may have judgments, that's fine, but not from that being the full-on um, way of holding it from a place of understanding yes this happens yes let me guide you let me make my suggestions so that yeah so that because that's all i'll say about that about knowing the world that she's navigating and how so so important it is and uh, again we cover these in detail over in the course that i that i teach but even starting, you know, starting, start talking with friends, start looking it up and find out the things, even asking her if you have a dialogue, if you have a, a connection with your daughter that you can dialogue regularly, that's really wonderful. So you can ask her, what does she experience? Hey, I know about this. What is your experience with this? And one more piece before you move on is one of the books that I had read when I was younger, or when my daughter was younger was, I don't, I think I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to get the title correct, but it has something to do with. Um, it's kind of a humorous book, Get Out of My Life, But First Take Me to the Mall, or something like that. A little older book, but what I loved about it is that it spoke about how every teen will lie. So not to get so bent out of shape when they lie, because it not, may or may not be true, your child may not lie, by the way, but, but when they do occasionally, or maybe a lot, I don't know, but it, it, it helped me understand, like, if they think their parents are going to hold them back from experiencing life, even if their experiences are not what their parents would agree with, or even if their experiences are mistakes now and then, what's more important to them is their freedom, is their, is their need to try, is their need to see what's possible, to see what they think is true. So what I'm saying, the reason I'm saying that, and I'm saying it very cautiously and carefully, is to, is to know that that's a possibility. And I think it could be less, that the, the, what helps to make it less of a possibility that they would be lying is to create the safe place. Back to part, back to the first step, create, create a safe place for them to come and say, oops, I made a mistake. Or you told me to do this, but I did that. Can we talk about it without punishment or shaming or anything? Just, yeah, this is life, baby. This is, this is experiment. And these are the, and then certainly getting into, and these are the areas that are more dangerous, which is going to lead us right into the third one, which is... Make sex a normal, natural, ongoing discussion. 
And that is one of the questions that people, it's always the first question people ask, almost always the first question. When do I start talking to my daughter about sex? How old? Um, I don't think it's, it's there's not a, a, an exact correct answer, but I've read through several articles and books, one of which is called The Talk by Dr. Sharon Maxwell. She's a friend of mine. She did a great job of, of scanning a lot of the things that, the pitfalls of parents and, and things that children go through. She recommended, oops, she recommended starting as early as nine years old to start talking about sex. Even eight, I've heard even eight before, in part because they can learn about porn, they do, some of them do, learn about porn as early as nine years old, which is really scary. If they're given a computer or a smartphone at a young age, chances of them finding porn or someone showing it to them is really likely. And I did not want to believe that. You know, I was resistant to hearing that. Um, and yet it's true. At one point my daughter said, I think she was maybe four, 13 or 14. She's like, mom, are you kidding me? Everybody watches porn. Like people, like she's heard of people in their classrooms looking on their, on their smartphones, you know, when they're in the back of the class during class or, you know, she's like, everyone does. So it doesn't mean that she's correct. How would she know what everyone does? But what, it, what I did take that she was saying is that it's, it's more rampant than you could possibly think, mom. So if that's so, then talking about talking with them about sex early is really important. Um, I was sharing with a friend recently that was talking with her, her, I think he was eight years old, asking questions about sex. And we played with ways to talk about it that you can say that's not lying, but it's also not giving all the details if you don't want to. So we said something like, uh, we kind of came up with, there's something moms and dads do with their bodies that create out of love that create a baby growing in the mom's belly and then the baby comes out after nine months I mean something as simple as that could be even be the start so you don't necessarily have to talk about sexual intercourse first but you've given them a picture so just in case they do look at porn and go oh that's what they do you know but there's been at least a context and then you can also say they however you say it you know it's best when they do it when they're they're with someone who they have have babies when they were with someone they love and there's also ways to not have babies you know all that kind of dialogue I'm not going to get into that so much right here we do go over that in my course but I think it's important mostly just to the point I'm making about making sex a normal natural ongoing discussion the word normal and natural are key here and actually there's a yeah and ongoing is another key word so ongoing meaning Moving away from the old perspective of a sex talk, you know, in the old, I'm going to call it old fashioned, even though a lot of people still hold it this way. Oh, I'm going to have sex and talk about sex within one time, which you can't do that now. I mean, you can if you want to, but it's not recommended at all. So ongoing is, is a way to make it natural, just like we ongoingly talk about whatever sports so we're gonna have for dinner maybe not quite that often but it's it's a natural part of life and golly knows how it's a natural part of their upbringing I mean excuse me of their adolescent years so natural even if it's just thoughts or masturbating or whatever it is but making it a normal topic is like now we're talking about sex now we're talking about dinner now we're talking about bedtime now we're talking about um, your dance class after school now we're talking about your friends coming over and making that a normal natural thing what will help make it more natural for us as mothers, for you as mothers, and here's is where the, the core of the work comes in, 
is if you make it natural in your own self. So one of the greatest things that my daughter taught me as we started addressing the topic of sexuality in a, in a broader way as she was just turning 12, she was 12, just turning 13, somewhere around that time frame, was that I got to see the areas that I still had a lot of work to do, a lot of healing. So as my daughter was telling me this, which I started with at the beginning about how I was not supporting her, I was not standing behind her as a female. And of course I saw that pattern in my own mother, the way she mothered me. I committed to doing anything I had to do to clear out the sexual shame in my body and my being so I could be an ally for her. So the natural part comes in making it natural for me in dialogue, which means, well, basically for me, it means it really threw myself into healing and doing my own sexual inventory and finding the areas I still held shame and healing those and finding the areas that I was still uncomfortable and talking about those with my girlfriends, with my husband, but start making it natural in my own being. And that way it could be totally natural in my dialogue with her. I mean, now to this day, my daughter's almost 18 and we talk about sex. You know, it's, 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 it's a topic that's very common and her friends need to talk up to me about it because it was a very common thing. And I did tell, tell her mostly of all the amazing things about it, the beautiful things, the power that women and girls, the female form has, as well as loving our body and as well as all that goes on around us that will tell us differently. That is crucial. So there's a sexual empowerment, which is praising her, celebrating her, acknowledging her natural feelings, sharing all the details that I knew of, of all the different sexual uh, identities and what that means. And you, you find your own place as well as the areas of to look out for. I could go on and on about this. Again, we'll cover this in the course. There's so many things to say about it. But, but also let it, giving her a picture from where I could see of what was going to be surrounding her in the advertisements, in the movies, in the commercials, in social media, in the boys around her that were watching porn who didn't know any better. So helping her feel empowered of how she uses her body, of the choices that she makes, of how to say, be honest about the choices that were true to her, about how to uh, navigate and work with the, uh, someone who is pressuring her, about how to, you know, all those kind of things. There's just like beautiful and powerful things to unfold. But the key of it is through it all is letting her know of her power, her strength, her beauty, and supporting her and standing in that dignity and that power um, in a good way, not power over, but power within. Also, letting her know, and this is something we're going to be covering in the course, is letting her know of where we are historically as women. Where does this come from? Where did the oppression happen? Crucial. Crucial. Even if it's just a little synopsis of it. Her learning that because they probably won't learn it in school. Some schools do cover a little bit, but most schools don't cover the, the oppression of women in detail. You know, letting her, yeah, letting her know all of that and, and talking about it, not by putting anyone down, but just by noticing, hey, or just sharing that this is where we are at this time in, in history. What part do you want to play? 
how might you be a piece of changing that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'll go back to three powerful um, steps. The first one is to be a safe place for her, to do all you can to be a safe place and resource for your daughter. And it's okay to make mistakes yourself, by the way. It's okay. It's normal. We're going to get triggered. We're going to get triggered by our daughter's choices. And owning that, this is really hard for me, whatever that looks like. Know the world that she's navigating. Do some research on it. Ask other mothers. Make sex a normal, natural, ongoing dialogue. And if you're afraid of that, then do the work, whatever that takes for you. A great place I'm going to start giving a resource for everybody is, is the book that I highly recommend. There's so many great books, but a book I highly, highly recommend for all women is the book called Vagina. It's called Vagina by Naomi Wolf, and it covers so much that I think is incredibly valuable for women. You'll definitely, you know, if, if we hold any sexual rep, you know, repression ourselves, it's definitely going to come out through reading that book. You're going to tap into and seeing see the normalcy of it, seeing where it comes from seeing how um, sexual oppression of women, whether it's you know, a strong sexual abuse, which some have had, or it's just the shaming, which is also a form of abuse. So no matter what the trauma is, a big trauma or a small trauma, it still holds us back as women. It's a game that's been happening for many, many, many centuries. And learning about it and understanding it is, is incredibly helpful. And certainly of how we deal with ourselves and definitely how we deal and work with our daughter. So the book called Vagina, Naomi Wolf, highly recommended that. Highly recommended. So what I would like to offer all of you today, um, a great place to start to work together is by having a free consultation with me. And that way, you know, even in that consultation, even that 45 minutes, it's golden between us. I've had so many powerful, powerful dialogues with women. and. Um, a lot gets unraveled and opened, and I help guide you to what the next steps are for you as a mother. And sometimes the next steps are working with me, and sometimes they're not, and it's perfectly fine. So another, as you go to, right now you're going to see the Summit Gifts, um, the free consultation, you go to it by typing into www.motherdaughterempowerment.com slash contacts, and you put your information in there. And then I'll, we'll schedule it from there. And also, if you just go to the motherdaughterempowerment.com, you can get a free uh, report on how to avoid shaming your daughter when it comes to sexuality. So those two are free gifts that I'd love to offer. And if you're interested in an online course for mothers, it's something I find extremely valuable. After a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with mothers, I started offering the online virtual live course where we come together on a zoom link and all the mothers are there at the same time and by the way when you're in that call some are more shy or some are not ready to be revealed that's fine you can put your your you don't have to reveal your face so i just always say that ahead of time so it, it could just be your voice you don't have to be seen but and it's really powerful to see each other and connect and talk about the crucial role of mother in her daughter's sexual empowerment and how important that is to to, to dive deeper into this work and um, really explore together as mothers. We, cover, we co uh, cover topics like deeper into the world your daughter navigates, um, the things they don't cover in sex ed, communication tools of how to communicate with her in ways that are respectful of each other, 
in a way that she can hear you, in a way that's going to uh, encourage her to open up to you more. We'll, we'll cover a brief history of the female sexual oppression and talk about the differences between you, the similarities and the difference. And you'll also have an opportunity to do a bit of your own sexual inventory together. Super powerful course, super fun. It's both touching and fun together. And a lot of the women who have taken the course before stay connected. And women from all over the world can jump in that course, which is very exciting. So um, the, the next course will start in November. When you check into motherdaughterempowerment.com, actually you can do this, www.motherdaughterempowerment.com slash teens and sex. That's how you can find out more information to register for that course. And what I also do is do one-on-one -on -one with mothers. Some mothers want to take the course, but they also want more individual time. So I offer six sessions for $1,000. And if you do it today or do it within this, the time frame of this course, of this amazing summit, you'll also get the bonus of the online course included because both are incredibly helpful. Sometimes women need a little more um, connection time and something and to deal with things specifically and occasionally in my one-on-one -on -one sessions the daughters will come on as well towards the end so that's always an availability as well so thank you so much I know there's a lot more to cover and I'm really honored to be able to share this with you today thank you thank you Erin um, I appreciate your heartfelt uh, presentation um, you know, it's so beautiful just to connect with another woman, another mother who has um, done so much to create a, a sacred space uh, for her daughter, you know, for your daughter to, to start talking about the aspect and, uh, of relationship and sexuality itself and, and just building that trust from the beginning. Like, I love the first step that you mentioned that if we are the ones that... Um, a judging and shaming our kid, like who they're going to turn to, right? So it's so important to create that secret space for our daughters to to come and share their deepest fears and deepest desires and even fantasies and some levels and, and just just be fully open and vulnerable with us. So so because we're the only one that they can turn to. So I love that. When you talk about know the environment, Mm -hmm. What would be one of the greatest way to start um, digging into, you know, the environment without feeling that we are spying their world, you know, like, because mm. teenagers will come up with like, mom, you're spying on me, like, what's wrong with you, have your life, sure. and especially because of the hormones and all that stuff, and so they were going to, you know, they're going to come up. Like, I have heard it. I have seen it, you know. Like, you know, it's like, you spy sure. on me all the time. Stop doing that. You're so supposed to know this. You're too old for this. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I say know the world that they navigate, I was speaking even more so of the broader world. So more than their specific world. Which So what I mean by that is, even if, the, like, I've, I've had some friends um, who, who, whose children or whose daughters were so into other things and were not into boys at all, right? They were so into sports, and they'd be like, my daughter's 15 and she's still not into boys. Whereas my daughter was into boys when she was 11, 
or and even before on some level and so was I by the way as a young as a young girl I was very into boys so but some people have children that are not that's that the mothers say I don't even have to talk to them about sex or anything like that because they just don't even care but what I want to say with that is it's still important to know the world that they navigate meaning they're still hearing things even if they're not discussing sex with their or boys with their girlfriends yet or something like that which we don't know for sure by the way but they're still surrounded in an environment where they're hearing comments from boys or they're hearing stories of other girls next to them in the lunchroom or they're hearing it from older siblings or cousins or or they're seeing things on on TV or shows or you know they, they may never even see porn but regardless it's still a very strongly sexualized culture and a lot of the kids around them are going to be more in the know or advanced or even if it's a joke, if it's a sexual joke. Like I remember my daughter receiving emails of sexual jokes from some guy. And I knew she didn't even understand what they meant. I was pretty sure she didn't. But regardless, it still sunk in. You know, she was still hearing these cool, attractive guys giving her these, these sexual jokes. So that's what I'm saying about knowing the world they navigate even if they're in, if, whether they're engaged in it or not. So from that place you ask what, you know, what's a way that you can do it without snooping? Well, you don't have to snoop. You can just look up. Again, I, I was describing you can just talk on, I mean, talk to other mothers and look up on internet and find out, just asking the question, what kind of things do teens deal with these days? What is, when you hear something like whatever, Snapchat or whatever, look it up. Like do your own research. Um, but I think you're also asking, the question about what about their specific world. It's a tricky one. It's definitely a tricky one. So for me, when my daughter was around 11, she was asking for Facebook and emails and like that. Some kids ask it way earlier. We, we, had, we were kind of like some, some people make fun of Waldorf school saying they're like in a little bubble and it's kind of true to a certain extent that they, they keep them away from media a little bit more than other schools might. Um, so we pushed it until she was 11, and when I finally, or maybe 10, I think it was 11, when I finally said, yes, you can have Facebook, and yes, to, you can have an email, but I said I need, to have, I need to have access to it for a while so I can check it. Every once in a while, I'll check it. She hated that. But the option was either have it or don't have it. You know, have it, and I check it occasionally, or don't have it. And so I'm not saying that's the right thing. I'm just saying that that's what we did, and we did check it for a while. And, and she hated it every time. But we still kept that rule for a while until we didn't. I don't remember how old, but until it was, actually probably she until she started doing it in ways that were, we couldn't keep up and there's certain passcodes. That, you know, she's very, very smart and as most, as a lot of kids are, very, way more tech savvy than I was and could, could you know, create another email account that I didn't know about. And, you know, that's the truth of what happened in, in our, in our relationship. So, there is the part that they're going to hate. Why are you snooping on me? Why are you checking up on me? So I think as as clear as we can, uh oh, as clear as we can make it, um, just being really upfront and honest about it, it's going to help. I do think, um, you know, I have, I know stories of parents and who who literally do a snooping without letting them know, like snoop in their room or or in their um, you know, their journals or something like that. I don't think that's the best choice unless there's a real, real danger you're concerned about. Um, I think it's an invasion. 
of their privacy. And at the same time, if it's a strong concern that you have, whatever that might be, then sometimes that is necessary. But I don't necessarily recommend that. I recommend dialogue as best as possible, open dialogue, even as they squirm and even as they get upset. But just, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's definitely, definitely, most definitely a tricky one. And Yeah, that's all I'll say for now. Much more could be said about that, but that's all I'll say for now. When you were mentioning about uh, what age to recommend to uh, talk about sex, it's just fascinating that uh, I was introduced to, you know, as a younger child, you know, like back home in Ecuador, it was so, you know, my dad will be naked, my mom will be naked. So I grew up in a beautiful environment where at least I'm so grateful because that realm of, of my life, it was just beautiful to see that it was so normalized, like so normal for us. And it was nothing secret and hidden. And I love one of my mentors, uh, Francesca Gentile, that talks about, you know, it's time to normalize a lot of the things that, that, uh, that comes about sexuality and, and stop being taboo. So I grew up in a way that, um, you know, I knew men penises, I knew women's vaginas at a very young age, like seven, eight years old, right? And like, yes. and because of that awareness, I was, you know, I never was like, uh, as a teenager, I never was really like hooked into that, the whole thing about like wanting to be in a relationship because I was focused on school. Mm-hmm. And I have brought up, you know, I have pretty much brought the same kind of like concept of introducing to my daughter like a young age, like I believe like seven and a half, eight, I introduced her to, you know, the topic of sexuality, where they come in, where, you know, like the babies come from, <laughs> like, you know, like, and it's so interesting and beautiful to see them, like, when you, as a parent, when we create that sacred space, and we actually um, feel um, safe within ourselves, and, and secure, and grounded about our own sexuality, that's why I also love your work, because you're not just working with the the daughters, but you're also working deeply in a deeper level with the month because uh, in that way they become the role models of their children and the daughters and also they become a greater vessel I mean for for the children to come in and, and you know and feel safe about this topic so it is just beautiful to see that when we yeah, when we come as, as a whole, as women, and understand who we are as an individual and our sexuality and be sexually empowered, empowered is it's one of the most delicious gifts that we can offer to a kid and and see their growth in the future. It, it's beautiful. So I appreciate the work that you're doing with moms and, and daughters. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it's really true that we're all learning together. It's not even a... Uh, one way a right way it's uh, but the more and more we can bring this forward and talk about it and have less fear around it as women in particular um you know i i really do hold it that women and girls are the teachers of sexuality it doesn't look like this it doesn't look like that around us since so much male dominance and male created things like porn are happening but I think it's because the women are not being taught, the girls are not being taught because the women are still afraid because we're coming, you know, most of us were 
repressed sexually. Not all, not definitely not all. I love hearing the story of you and your your parents are much more free. Love that. I hear it's more like that, more common like that in Europe as well, in Germany and other places, which I love. Love that. My daughter was certainly raised in that way as well. So, yeah, um, not telling the body is shameful or you know whatever, making up fake words for body parts and like that. A great another another great book, by the way, I recommend is the book Pussy by uh, Regina Tomashauer, also known as Mama Gina. It's a great book. Another great book of normalizing that part of us which we hold so much shame because the culture tells us to hold so much shame around it. It's amazing. So yeah, anyway, yeah, beautiful. It's beautiful. Appreciate that. I, I know the power of of creating um, that movement in your own community. Uh, to help, you know, bring more of that awareness and that empowerment, that sexual empowerment that we all are looking for and we, many people crave for. And, um, yeah, it's, and it's just, it's just a good topic to have. It's, it's all about the conversation, like you say. It's all about to have a conversation, a real open, open, conscious communication around sexuality with as much truth and honesty that we can put on the table and, you know, at the, everybody talk about the specific ages, the specific um, details of sexuality. So it's important to just lead one to the next one, and like to be really conscious about how we're going to share this with our kids, to be really prepared for our daughters. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Thank for sure. you so much, Erin, for your amazing, heartfelt presentation today and conversation. I really appreciate you. So how can we find you again? Thank you. You can go to www.motherdaughterempowerment.com. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So we thank you, amazing audience, for tuning in to this episode of the uh, another episode of Conscious Relationship and, uh, Uncoupling and Parenting Summit. So we'll see you in our next episodes. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.